Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Coming up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But as always, we kick off today's show with a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us right now on our Facebook live stream, today is Wednesday, March 3rd. Otherwise, it's now March 4th. Can you believe it? March already. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Natalie Tso. Hello. And Leslie Liao. Hello. Up in just a moment, we're going to be telling you why pineapple consumption in Taiwan has skyrocketed over the past few days. Then we'll be telling you about Taiwan's new government-mandated rules about chocolate and about a zoo's efforts to save the endangered leopard cat. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Whether politics had anything to do with it is up for debate, but what is an incontrovertible fact is that China has banned imports of Taiwanese pineapples. Uh, it says temporarily, but uh, I'm not sure how long that could last. A lot of people in Taiwan, despite uh, you know denials from Beijing, seem to believe that it's politically motivated anyway. And uh, the reason that China gave was biosafety concerns. Specifically, I think I heard something about microbes or some sort of uh, pest. pest. Some sort of pest. There was some sort of pest in it, they said. But um, anyway, Taiwanese people uh, have decided to take matters into their own hands because uh, China is uh, very... Well, in all fruits, actually, it says that we export, uh, let's see, about 71% of our fruit to China, of our fruit exports. That's where they go. So China has a lot of leverage there, and you know, it's last year we sold a uh, 131 million U.S. dollars worth of fruit, that in, including pineapples, to China. So, like I said, uh, if China decides to ban something, that has a big impact on our farmers. Uh, Taiwanese people, though, you never want to challenge them to an eating contest. <laughs> That's something that we've learned because um, they because uh, they they called there was a call to arms to purchase you know Taiwanese pineapples and help our farmers. We in four days, outbought what China normally buys from us in terms of pineapples. I mean, I certainly That's, haven't purchased any pineapples, John. That is four, I haven't either. 41,687 <laughs> tons of domestic orders in the past. Well, this is probably, if you're listening to this now, five days. So probably more than that by now, because people are, I know people are pic- posting pictures on Facebook of them with pineapple that they've purchased either whole or, you know, chopped for them. They're readily available in Taiwan. We do produce a lot. And, you know, they really, the Council of Agriculture had really only expected with its campaign to sell like 20,000 tons. We sold more than 40,000, more than double what they had expected. Um, 
So a lot of what this is is not actually individual consumption, but companies buying pineapples because, of course, you don't we don't just eat pineapples by themselves here in Taiwan. We put them into all sorts of things, and from drinks like tea uh, and juice uh, to, of course, our famous pineapple cakes. Taiwan sort of uh, you could almost call it a national pastry, couldn't you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, they're a symbol of uh, prosperity in Taiwan, so we love our pineapples. Um, we have no problem <laughs> buying them up. Um, it says all. Also, that uh, the Canadian and U.S. trade offices, or representative offices, rather, uh, on Monday posted messages on Twitter with the hashtag Freedom Pineapple. I think that was started by President Tsai Ing-wen, wasn't it? I think that was... She said um, something like, pineapples from Taiwan have the taste of freedom. Minister of Foreign Affairs? After, was it the foreign ministry? He's always the outspoken yes. one. Uh, the taste like freedom. It do, it do taste uh, like freedom. So... Um, um, however, I must take issue with what the Canadian trade office in Taipei posted. They had staff members standing around two Hawaiian pizzas with a message <laughs> at, the, at CTOT. That's the Canadian trade office in Taipei. We love pineapples on our pizza, especially Taiwanese pineapples. The post says Hawaiian pizza is a Canadian invention, first made in 1962 by Canadian chef Sam Panopoulos. And they're proud of it? And I, To which I can only say... Oh, Canada. Oh, oh Canada. That's something you need to say sorry for. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been on record, you know, expressing my disdain for it's, Hawaiian pizza. And that's so. a bridge too far for me. I got my, well, I deserved it, I suppose. I, my worst case of food poisoning ever was a, in a pi- I, eating a Taiwanese pineapple really? pizza. Really? <laughs> yes, I was sick for days. Um, so, anyway. Uh, it's not just them. Some of our own, on our own lawmakers are getting involved, too. Uh, a DPP lawmaker, Karen Yu, commented on the post, thanking the Canadian uh, Trade Office for its support, saying, Taiwanese pineapples have the taste of freedom. I believe you will enjoy them. Just please don't not on pizza. Do you think they taste like freedom? What does is, what is freedom taste like, if we were to describe it? I don't know. Uh, p- pineapples, I guess. Juicy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have some people commenting about pineapples. Really? Yes. So, um, first of all, Jessica says hello. Hi, Jessica. From upstairs? Yeah. And Douglas North says hi. And Setyo Buriono says hi. Um, He says, Malang, East Java, stay tuned. Ivan Dai says hi. Jason Stevens says, they say say the same things about Australian wheat. Really? Mm. I know Australian wine went through the same thing. And there was a freedom wine hashtag. It's amazing how when... Beijing's not happy suddenly the people they're not happy I have pests in their uh, really? <laughs> agricultural products <laughs> um, all of a sudden also Ivan Dai said both fresh pineapple fruit and pineapple cakes are delicious yeah dry pineapple is pretty good too that's true and Jason Stevens says on a pizza <laughs> that's a little bit yeah Douglas North says I've never learned how to cut a pineapple they have these like weird sort of gadgets at fruit shops here that will do it for you. Like they'll gadget kind of that will cut it, it for like you. Kind of core it. I've never seen one. How of those. do you guys cut pineapples? I have it cut for me by really? the shop. Really, you just use like a butcher's knife and cut the end and the t- the top and the tail, yeah. and then you cut off the skin. The so peel. anyway, Taiwan has <laughs> some great pineapples. That is true. So yeah, they're really delicious and they're very sweet. Yeah, wouldn't you say? I, that's I, the first time I le- learned to enjoy eating pineapple was here. So just not on pizza, like I said. <laughs> so I think it shows that we shouldn't be relying on just one market. No, you don't. Well, you don't want to have your all your eggs in one basket anyway. And but. that's what China likes. Actually, they well, actually are our biggest market for a lot of exports. So. Hopefully, they won't be doing this to other fruits or um, products. I mean, uh, I read a report that said academics were not surprised by this move. So, anyway, political or not, who knows? But probably (laughs) 
Anyway, up next, uh, we're going to tell you about Taiwan's new rules about chocolate. That's right. Uh, you want me to just jump right into yeah, it, John? Yeah, tell us okay. about chocolate. So um, there's this running joke in the United States. You guys know the Pringle, uh, the, the the Pringles, the chips, right? They changed the logo, and I don't like it. They don't, but there's a running <laughs> joke in the States. It was just like, they call it a potato chip, but legally, it's like not a potato chip. It's got to be a cracker because it doesn't have enough potato in it. Really? Yeah. It's that's, starch. That's the similar wheat. thing that's going on right here, because the Food and Drug Administration is about to, uh, they have defined what can be called a chocolate Ooh, um, and that is something that is, um, they have new rules on chocolate and cocoa, and it must contain, uh, it, it must have a certain amount of cocoa and chocolate in order to be able to use the name chocolate. So, oh. so if it's not, does it have to be it's like chocolate substitute or something like that? Like candy product or something like that? It's got to <laughs> be something, yes, something nondescript. Um, the rule covers chocolate products that contain fillings, chocolate paste, syrups, as well as chocolates that have added vegetable fats. I didn't realize you have to add vegetable stats. Uh, for chocolates Ooh, that contain fillings, <laughs> you guys know Ferrero Rocher, right? Yeah. And they're, they're hugely popular here. Yes, they are, they're they really are. good. Can't be called chocolate anymore. Really? On the new rules, they cannot be called chocolate. And these, wow. are, these are going to affect next year. Oh. Um, it, because of the fillings. Uh, not just that, but uh, because the chocolate content just isn't enough. Oh. Uh, the chocolate coating must make up at least 25% of the total weight of the product in order to use the word chocolate. So that's very, very technical mm. from this point of view. Um, I don't know. I, you, you know, what else are you bringing? Can you not call hot chocolate chocolate anymore? Because probably it's, not. It's probably it's sugar. Mel- you're not like sugar, melting right? the chocolate. Uh, the product must also state it contains a filling, for example, describing it as chocolate dash coated hazelnut. That's for This is for Ferrero Rocher again. Because it is... A hazelnut spread inside, right? Yeah, it's, Nutella. So. it's Nutella. So that's why they're, they're saying it's got the nut and it's got the Nutella filling, which I guess technically aren't chocolate. Mm. And then because the only chocolate parts of that candy are, are the out is the outside shell and it doesn't consist of 25% or more of the weight, it mm. can't be called chocolate anymore. So Technicalities, technicalities. So they're going to rename or repackage all of these kinds of candies, Yeah, right? they're going to have to change the names. When did someone decide that of all the things that need doing, defining chocolate <laughs> was like a top of the priority list? Like... I do love chocolate, John. I, do. I know. I mean, chocolate is a priority, but like, don't we? I mean, but we, here's just, we just thing. got our first batch of COVID vaccines. Couldn't the people regulating be working on that? Yeah, right. Like, to, to really define <laughs> what like, a vaccine is. Love chocolate. <laughs> Um, they're saying in terms of non-solid chocolate products, including chocolate spreads and chocolate syrups, they must contain at least 5% cocoa solids or 2% cocoa butter to have chocolate in their names. Mm. Um, chocolate products with added vegetable oils that account for over 5% of the total weight of the product will not be allowed to have chocolate in their names, though they can be described as chocolate flavored. Ooh. That's what I was thinking. Everything's going to be called chocolate flavored. Chocolatey. Chocolate and, flavor, hazelnut uh, candy. The FDA isn't messing around because if you... <laughs> what about you... chocolate milk? Oh, chocolate that's a good question. Milk. Chocolate, chocolate flavored, flavored milk. milk. Chocolate flavored ah, milk. Chocolate cold milk. Right? But what if it's not considered chocolate flavored enough? I mean, you no, don't I have think that's to... <laughs> you say it's <laughs> the flavor, right? Uh, uh, with a light light dusting of chocolate, M- Mr. Vantrias. This is the, the deliciousness factor is not, not up to par. Yeah, get get this. The FDA really isn't messing around because the manufacturers will be fined thirty thousand to three million New Taiwan dollars. Wow, if three million! The product packaging lacks the required information. Is someone going to really enforce this? I mean, 
I don't know. Checking like, out store shelves. Job. They probably will. It's kind of a dream job of mine, just like going and around like, being like, I need to test this for chocolate and eat the <laughs> content. You need to give me 10. I need to eat seven of them and then I have to, I'll take the three in for testing. Um, I guess uh, they're getting into even more into it, man. Like the, I mean, what about dark chocolate? What about milk chocolate? What about white chocolate? What about chocolate containing almonds? So you how know? about M&M's? They probably have one of chocolate. Yeah, this is, I think M&M's the problem is with the coating, the shell coating. Oh, true. You could, and this is going to ruin the whole candy business. But what about peanut M&M's? Like at that point, are how M&M's chocolate, but peanut or M&M's aren't? They have aren't? M&M's now. That's right, and they have the crunchy M&M's, and like, oh, this is this is going to be... This is opening up big cans of worms. Yeah, certainly not cans of not chocolate, chocolate as much as I would like. <laughs> um, so I guess this is just one of those current consumer protection acts, but apparently, I guess, I don't know, I love chocolate in all its forms, in all its... You know, fully full forms and subpar forms and all of its and everything in between. We have a few uh, questions and comments here. Jason Stevens says, chalk is not enough chocolate. Uh, Radha Krishna asks, which are the popular sweets in Taiwan? Oh, um, domestic ones? Because yeah. a lot of our stuff is imported, actually. That's true. Or, or on, made up what, by license from foreign what are brands. High chews is a thing I never really noticed until I got to Taiwan. Have you guys noticed that? High chews are Japanese. Oh, yeah. Japanese, yeah. Um, though, if you wanted to say some, me to point to something distinctly Taiwanese, I'd say it's those, what are they called? They're wrapped in, they're shelled and encased in chocolate, and they're kind of like gummies. You know oh, what I'm oh, about? The oh, grape, oh, they have grape flavored ones. Oh, they have English name. It's ones. killing me. That uh, it's choco gummy is what it's called. What it I think. Is. Yeah, that's that is definitely Taiwanese. I take that to as a gift to when I they visit overseas. They have to overseas. change the name. Ime. They do the, uh, yeah, the yeah, chocolate yeah. That's puffs. That's the one I'm thinking of. They do the chocolate puffs uh, and they have the wafers as well. Oh no, this is and guai guai. Guai 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 guai. That's more of a that's more of a Cheeto type of a corn puffy corn Cheeto. But they come but they come in sweet flavors like like a coconut. Coconut is the most popular one I think. And then they have five spice also that I didn't realize. They have savory flavors. Yeah, yeah, we do have our own selection of sweets. So Debasha says I like chocolate. Who doesn't? That's universal. Who doesn't? Jendalori waves. Hi, hello, Jendalori. I like dark chocolate. Mm. How about you guys? I'll, anything. In yeah, all of anything. its forms, chocolate <laughs> is delicious. Ice cream, milkshake. Oh, ice cream's good, too. We need to tell the FDA to leave our chocolate alone. Yeah. <laughs> leave it alone? Well, they're not restricting my intake of chocolate. Okay, fine. Or how, chocolate substitute. How long do you take looking at the packaging, John, really? Because for me, it's about half a second yeah. before it just hmm. goes down the gullet. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, the endangered leopard cat is giving a helping hand from a Taiwanese zoo. Is that right? The that is right. So here at the Taipei Zoo, we just saw last night, Tuesday night, that a leopard cat gave birth to three kittens, Ooh. and that is the first time in twenty years that um, three kittens have been born in captivity. They're endangered. They're thought to have uh, be less than. 500 of them alive here in Taiwan. Yeah, I interviewed someone from the Leopard Cat. Have, the English name is like Conservancy. Really? And a long time ago. And they told me that roadkill is a big issue with right. them. Oh, Which is very unfortunate. A they look of, like real cats, though. They they're don't, not they're the hard size of real cats. They're hard to tell apart. And they have a little bit of a leopardy type of fur. Right. And so anyway, um, the Taipei Zoo actually helps uh, convalesce the injured animals. And Ping Ping, which is the mom's name, was an injured animal. And she met up with a little fish, or Xiaoyu, 
um, in their program there. And so they um, have little kitties. And um, so they're really looking to take care of the kittens because they're very fragile. And um, they're going to give, you know, them a lot of extra food and nutrients. Here's a picture. It's a black and white picture. But um, they're really adorable. So what do you guys think of kitties? I just bought a kitty last year. We just love our kitty. You bought one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I bought one. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to adopt. Oh, so we weren't that brave, our first pet. Hmm. But, oh. I don't think leopard cats are domesticated, so you probably want no, one of those in your house. No, but um, I think it's great that Taiwan is trying to, you know, take care of its endangered animals. Yeah, no, we have a, a number of uh, pr- programs. And um, one thing that they've been trying with the leopard cat in particular is sort of altering the ditches on the sides of the road. Right. So that they, I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but they said that they're going back and like re-engineering the sides of roads to make it less likely that the, that passing cars will hit them because they're tiny. They're hard to see if you're a motorist. Also, haven't you done a number of videos? I remember, John, like you did a few videos of like uh, those little cats being found in Here. the gutters Here's right a better the side of the picture. road. A better picture of a leopard cat. But we so. have all kinds of things. That, I mean, there's a... a a uh, regular program. I think it happens every. I'll put the link in annually our feed there, where there, a certain section of highway is closed down so that migrating butterflies have a chance to really. Yeah, that's in southern Taiwan, and then um, also crab crossing. Crab crossing. Too. That's another thing I was going to say. They've got these sort of uh, sort of culverts underneath roads that crabs can cross through without having to actually cross the road itself over top. That way, they don't get run over. People do care about animals here in Taiwan. Ooh, we try. We try yeah, hard. We try. <laughs> If the, we're talking about Formosan cloud leopards. Actually, no, that's those are spo- different. Those are much larger, and they are supposed to be extinct, sadly. Right. I mean, someone said they sighted them, um, a couple of them, I think, a couple years ago, but that wasn't confirmed. No. We're so talking they, small little things. Right. They look like cats, actually. They're endangered, I, but not extinct. I just put a picture in the feed there, so, and Douglas says they're so adorable. They are cute. <laughs> <laughs> A beloved Taiwanese product is about to get a significant price hike, and I think some people, I'm not one of them, are upset. I mean, you and I were talking about this before. Well, okay, let's uh, talk about the product in question. It's the Jinmen Gaoliang liquor, which is... Uh, it's sorghum. It's sorghum. A type of grain. I, I'm sure you're more, re- much more uh, well-versed in this than no, I am. No, I, no? It's, it's, uh, it's famous and, I have to say, not very pleasant. Apparently, <laughs> it's the number one liquor brand in Taiwan. Really? Would you believe that? Yeah, you mean the local uh, brand? or just in general? No, it's, uh, it's made specifically on the island of Jinmen. Jinmen, and it's a, I, I guess it's a spirit. Yes. Uh, I would, you, you, you would call it? Um, rocket fuel. Heavy rocket alcohol. fuel. It tastes like rocket it's fuel. Alcohol. <laughs> it's like you could probably power a car with it. If you drink it, you feel like you're about to take off in more ways than one. No, you're about to pass out. Or it's, jump out of your own skin. <laughs> anyway, um... John and I were talking about this earlier, but they announced Tuesday, yesterday, that um, some of their products will be subject to a 6 to 12% price hike for some of its products with immediate effect. There's wow. not even a warning. They're just like, no, we're, we're, we're hiking. You're going to be paying 6 to 12% more for these products. And I was, you and I were wondering, it's like, do they have the demand to justify? Well, they do. Uh, that's another 
organization, the company that makes that that I've interviewed. Yeah. Um, it is very sophisticated what they do. Okay. But I just am not a, someone You're, who we, can appreciate it. <laughs> neither, neither am I. Neither am I. Um, so they boob, So apparently KKL, which is Jim Nangaliang Liquor, yes. they have a eighty sh- percent uh, market share of white spirits in oh, Taiwan. Really? Which That's like, a major market share. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's it has not adjusted prices since February first, twenty twelve, and then they said the cost of ingredients and packaging materials have significantly increased, and production costs were also raised after amendments to the Labor Standards Act. Well, oh, that was a few years ago, though. It was a few years ago. I, guess I don't know why they're just gradually. responding now. Yeah, it's accumulating. Um, yeah, I mean, what they do, the whole process, it's very much like wine making in some sense. Like, they have it in, like, specially con- sort of climate-controlled type of, like, uh, tunnels yeah. or caves type. And, uh, yeah, it's a, the, the process is quite uh, intense, and it's a, it's, a, it's a craft, really. But I've had someone be like, someone told me not long ago, well, it's just that you haven't had the good stuff before. And they proceeded to give me a shot, and I just went... Still too much, still mm, overpowering. Mm. I don't. I don't like the taste. I've had people tell me the the exact same thing, and then they just pull out the same bottle that I've seen over I and over like and over the, again. The, the taste of it is just. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we're not doing a great job of promoting. We're not it, really. We, I don't really like hard. Liquor I mean, anyway, at the same so. time, we. I think we should be. Honest about our views. Not just that, but you know, always drink responsibly. We've lost our sponsorship. I mean, are we sponsored by the Jinmen County government because they own ninety-nine percent of the Jinmen Gaoliang shares? I mean, it's it's something that's distinctly Taiwanese. It is, it is, and it's actually distinctly local to Jinmen as well. Yeah, this particular island that has a tradition of making it. It is. It is, I, again, one of those things that, like, I can appreciate the hard work and knowledge and skill that go into making it. I'm so. <laughs> I mean, Jinmen's such a fascinating place. They're not just known for white liquor. They're also known for their beef jerky. Yes. They're also known for um, their, their, their knives that, that are made from uh, leftover shell. shells. That the Chinese lobbed at them. Yeah. Um, it is a fascinating place with a unique culture. Uh, I just, if I were to go there, would probably choose to drink something else. That's all. You'd probably uh, choose to spend your money on knives and beef yeah, jerky. So that's fine. <laughs> is that what you're, that's Nobody what has doing. enough knives or beef jerky. That is true. I will enough. endorse that. I will endorse that statement. Uh, I wonder if anyone out there on our Facebook feed has had it before. If you have, please let us know in the comments. Have you guys been to Jingmen? No, it's on my list, but it's just... Of all the places you've been, you've never been to Jingmen? I don't like airplanes. You have to take one. There. You can take a ferry there, actually. It's very seasick. Uh, oh yeah, the, the Taiwan is. Strait is very. I've heard stories. So uh, it's when they fly non-turboprop prop planes, which I've heard they're doing. I, I'll, I'll give it a go. Non-turboprop planes are those? Oh my Jets. goodness! Uh, I heard that because demand for domestic travel is up, that uh, some airlines are now flying. You know more. More, not those little pile jumpers over there. Wow, John, I, I, you've been to like so many places that are, you know, I, I, you've been Weird. to like, Cambod- <laughs> Cambodia. Well, you've, that's a different country, though. I'm Vietnam. talking about in Taiwan. But like, then I, I thought you would have explored Taiwan in and out. Like, but at this point, when they have proper planes, I'll go. Okay, that's a, that's that that's fair. I, I mean, lived, I lived by at the time where the the plane that was going there that crashed. Oh, do you remember that? Dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Mm, oh, I no, see. No, 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 that no, would no, that would put no, me no, off no, too. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, do we have any more comments before we wrap up for today? Well, uh, Scope says this has been an interesting program. Okay, well, we're glad you liked it. We'll talk more about chocolate and uh, and alcohol. I see that seems to be a winning combination. 
Well, that just about does it for today's episode of Here in Taiwan. Thanks to everyone who joined us, and thanks to everyone who left a comment. We really do love hearing from you guys. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Leslie Leo. And I'm Natalie So. And if you're joining us on the airwaves, don't go anywhere just yet, because up next we've got more for you. We've got hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that's out of this world. And by out of this world, I mean literally out of this world. You see, there's this Japanese astronaut who's in the International Space Station right now. His name is Soichi Noguchi. Now, Noguchi is an avid photographer because he takes a lot of pictures from space and shares them to his Twitter. Now, he recently took pictures of Taiwan. Not one, not two, not three, but four pictures of Taiwan that got him a lot of attention. And he's received a lot of uh, positive feedback from Taiwanese internet users, as well as some from Japan. And last week, the mayor of the southern city of Kaohsiung, Chen Chimai, actually extended an invitation to Soichi Noguchi to come visit his city once the pandemic ends via Twitter. And um, this week's hashtag Taiwan documents that entire process. And as you might imagine, this episode of Hashtag Taiwan is a lot more visual. So if you're on Facebook, make sure that you go to Radio Taiwan International or Taiwan Insider and check out the video. Without further ado, here is this week's episode of Hashtag Taiwan. This is Soichi Noguchi. He's a Japanese astronaut aboard the International Space Station. And this is Chen Mai. He's the mayor of Kaohsiung City in southern Taiwan. Earlier this week, Chen Mai invited Soichi Noguchi to visit Kaohsiung City once the pandemic is over. What business does the mayor of a Taiwanese city have inviting a Japanese astronaut? Funny you should ask, because that's the topic of this week's Hashtag Taiwan. On December 4th last year, Noguchi took a nighttime picture of Tainan and Kaohsiung from space. Noguchi captioned the image with hashtag Taiwan is cloudy tonight, this is the best I've got. Honestly, if Noguchi didn't write the location in his caption, I would have no idea where that is. Heck, I would venture to say that was a picture of space. Nevertheless, Noguchi's tweet drew a lot of attention from Taiwanese internet users with many urging him to visit Taiwan. On January 23rd of this year, Noguchi tweeted another picture of Taiwan surrounded by clouds. Or at least he says that's Taiwan. I don't know, I can't tell. Maybe I gotta tilt my head and squint. 
At this point, you might think I'm being too nitpicky or that I have horrible eyesight. But Noguchi apparently already knows that because on February 19th, he tweeted a third picture of Taiwan from space. This photograph clearly shows the island of Taiwan and its distinctive tail thingy. See, my geography ain't so bad after all. Curiously, Noguchi tagged the picture as Tainan City, when in reality, it depicts a large chunk of southern Taiwan. And I emphasize southern Taiwan because the day after Noguchi tweeted his third photo, which again, he tagged with Tainan City, Kaohsiung City government tweeted back at him in all Japanese. They relayed an invite to the astronaut from Mayor Chen Shimai asking him to visit when the pandemic is over. But what if the pandemic ends and Noguchi's still in space? I mean, I don't think there's regular space shuttles between Taiwan and the International Space Station. Noguchi retweeted the Kaohsiung City government's tweet with a simple thank you. I think the Kaohsiung City government people were looking for an answer more along the lines of yes or no. But then again, what do I know? Noguchi's an astronaut. He's more qualified than me in anything at this point. On February 23rd, Noguchi tweeted a fourth photo of Taiwan at night from space, a picture which he called majestic. And I think that was him saying thank you to Taiwan for responding so positively to his photographs. But maybe we should be the ones thanking him for taking photographs of Taiwan that are literally out of this world. And that was this week's episode of Hashtag Taiwan. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And as I said before, Hashtag Taiwan is part of the weekly news magazine Taiwan Insider, which is produced by Radio Taiwan International. It's a TV show, so you not only can listen to the show, but you can also watch it as well. I say this as a reminder because this week's Hashtag Taiwan focused on four gorgeous photographs of Taiwan. And if you're able to go see it, I highly encourage that you do. You can always find it on Facebook if you just type Taiwan Insider or Radio Taiwan International into the search bar. You can also go onto our YouTube channel, which is RTI English. There you'll also find episodes of Taiwan Insider, but you'll also see a couple of news features that we uh, usually like to do. Anyway, that's about all the time we have for this week. Until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. And as always, I'll talk to you again very soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. So the million-dollar question is, how many vaccines has Taiwan procured so far? That's right. And joining us in the studio is the newest member of our team, Stash Butler. Hello. Hey, Stash. Hey, great to be here. So I know you've been looking into the numbers, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's a simple answer to the question of how many vaccines does Taiwan have, and that is uh, none so far. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. but there's a bit more to it than that. So the government has bought 10 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine directly from AstraZeneca. They've also bought 5 million from the U.S. company Moderna, and they're getting 5 million more from COVAX. So that's 20 million vaccines in total. So I'm not including any vaccines from Pfizer or BioNTech because that deal hasn't been finalized yet. So tell us about COVAX. Mm. Yeah, so COVAX is not actually a vaccine manufacturer. It's a, an initiative which distributes other companies' vaccines. 
Uh, it's run by global organizations like the World Health Organization, and its aim is to get the whole world vaccinated. So that's including poor countries, which might not have better access to, uh, to vaccines, and they'll get those vaccines for free. It also includes countries like Taiwan that aren't part of international organizations. Oh, that's really good. So now we're talking 20 million vaccines total. We know that there are about 24 million people in Taiwan. Some people might say, it sounds like we have enough. But is that true? Yes, that's sadly not true. So there are some vaccines that uh, use a single dose, but all of the vaccines that Taiwan has bought use two doses. So that means with 20 million vaccines, you can vaccinate about 10 million people. So I'm curious to know, and call me selfish, but when am I going to get a vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty about that. Um, we're not really sure about delivery times for a lot of the vaccines. The one thing we can say for sure is that there should be 200,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine coming via COVAX to Taiwan in the coming days. So that's going to be very, very soon. But the rest... Well, we just don't know for sure. Um, the one other thing we can say is that there should be doses of the Moderna vaccine arriving in May or June or thereabouts. Oh, okay. Not too bad. And I know that Taiwan is also developing its own vaccines. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So Taiwan is developing vaccines at the moment through two companies who are leading the way. They're in phase two trials at the moment, and those trials are expected to end around June and hopefully then, once those trials are over, they can report the results and get emergency authorization to start producing them in July. And the government is hoping to buy 5 million doses from each of those companies. Well, thank you so much, Stash. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully next time I'm here, I have some more good news to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Aline Bai is a project manager at American company Megatran Bios Company. She graduated from Minchuan University, which is like the closest university to RTI, just four years ago with a major in business management. She was in China for three years working for Foxconn. Yep, Foxconn, Taiwan's multinational electronics contract manufacturer company. It sounded like she had a monotonous life uh, those three years because, uh, you know, she was working in the suburbs and being a city woman that she is. She said it took her to commute an hour to get into the city. So she said it was a good thing that she took up salsa dancing while there. Then she came back to Taiwan and it's been a year now. But I was actually more interested in why she became an environmentalist, a minimalist and a vegetarian. Well, last week, she told me that it all happened from a photo she took when she was on vacation in Bali, Bali, Indonesia. It was of a beautiful sunset, but then her friend asked her what were all those spots on the beach. They turned out to be plastic trash. Her friend thought that they were birds. So she then became aware of how human beings are very selfish, you know, and creating all that trash. Well, even after she went surfing there, she was coming out of the water, she felt this film of something clinging to her body. She thought it was jellyfish, but it turned out to be all the plastic trash on the surface of the water. So she decided that she was going to organize a beach cleanup. And uh, she did that in Hong Kong because Hong Kong was very close to Shenzhen, China, where she was working. She then also organized another beach cleanup when she came back to Taiwan. She did it on Mother's Day because she said that we call Earth Mother Earth, right? So 
60 to 70 people showed up for the beach cleanup um, after seeing her post on Facebook. And she was really pleased with that. And she even got to make new friends with these people. Then she also saw these families with kids on the beach. So she got an idea that she's going to start this environmental awareness from little children, from students, from little kids. So she's thinking of approaching teachers at elementary schools with her idea. Then she became a minimalist because of a movie called Into the Wild. It's a movie based on a true story about a guy who sold everything that he had and bought a van and went to Alaska to live in the wild. So from the movie, Eileen decided to live simply by starting from her room. She threw things away, threw things that she seldom used and threw them away, or she gave away to some friends. But today... We're going to begin with what I would do or not do if I were to become a minimalist. Except, you know, I'm a terrible person because I think that's such a hassle. Yeah. Having to think about like, if I were to just throw everything that I don't need anymore, just throw them away. But you would think of like, you know, or maybe somebody else would benefit from this. So let me think of like who to, and then, but then you have to think it out. Like who I can, I can give this to Mimi. I can give this to Mary. I can give this to Eileen. I can give this to this. And then you have to find a person and then give it to them. And I think that's a big hassle. (laughs) No, no. I think that's too much Uh, of a hassle. So I'll probably just throw everything away (laughs) without thinking of like who might benefit from this thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Just for, for example, if you're like, you're, you're having all these like clothes and stuff, you can just put it to those like recycle. Yes, recycling yeah, bin recycling for, bin for, for, or, for, yeah, yeah, for secondhand clothes. clothes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Or maybe if you're like, if you still have some stuff that is uh, rather new, but you're not going to wear it. So you can just think of like some of your friends that they, yeah, might suit this Oh, whatever okay. dress or whatever. Maybe at their next birthday, yeah. that'll be a birthday gift for them or um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if they would like it. If, oh, like really? Like secondhand stuff. No, but, but you yeah. said that it was like new. I'm talking yeah, about... Yeah, if it's new, if then it's yeah, new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never something you've never worn. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, and how did you feel when you started minimalizing everything in your room? I think it it just makes me feel very good that it's it's... Yeah, so it's there are not so many stuff, so it's very organized. Yeah, and that's true. and yeah, and when you like went back to your room and then you just like sit there and say, oh okay, yeah, you feel good about yeah, your room. Yeah, you feel good and, yeah, and yeah, happy. yeah, and you feel good about yourself. Like oh uh, yeah, because you don't really need all these um, things to make you happy. Oh yeah 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 okay. Well, I'm not that kind of person. Although <laughs> I buy a lot of clothes. Mm. And bags yeah. and shoes. <sighs> <laughs> no, it's just yeah, it's you know, like different. You know, something about yeah. women. Always, you always feel like there's you're lacking one piece of clothing. Yeah. So you keep buying. You know, even though I told myself, okay, I said this is it. This is the last one I'm ever gonna buy. Yeah. But then it was never the last. Mm-hmm. You know, sometime later, I go through these shopping spurts. Yeah. You know, and and then all of this craving, and then I would start shopping again, yeah. And I, and I would feel bad, and then just hate myself, and mm. and thinking like, okay, this is it, this is the last piece of clothing. Yeah, but I've already given up on that kind of thought okay. because it's just it never worked. It never worked. <laughs> now I feel like I really have too many clothes, and I don't know what to do with them. You know. Okay. Anyway, but the thing is that mm. that's you 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 shouldn't be only just doing 
being a minimalist yourself. Mm. I mean, as a minimalist, I think you should try to spread the influence. Yeah. So apparently, you really helped your parents' house. Yeah. In some ways, how how did that happen? You want to go through the tell the us, process. you know, just yeah, what happened, yeah. and and especially when you really don't know how your parents will react or yeah. this other person would react mm. with what you're doing to their house, right? Yeah. So yeah, what 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 happened? I mean, how did you have that boldness to make a change um, with, at your parents' place? Yeah. So like for me, I always have this thought: like you cannot change people, but you can only. Like you, the only person that you can change is yourself. So, and you always have to lead by doing it yourself. Otherwise, people will think that ah, you are not doing it. Like then, why why are you judging us yeah. to do that? Or whatever. Right. So yeah, so I just started by myself. Mm. I started by myself. So like. I started to clean my stuff, and then I started to clean like those those places that is um, like um, for everyone's I don't know like mutual uh, like the public place oh, or oh, whatever the communal place yeah, or commun- something yeah, yeah stuff Air, communal like, area communal area yeah, yeah yeah so I went yeah I starting to do this like little by little and then people will be like my mom or my sister they will be aware like oh even she's starting to do that like and <laughs> uh, it's some kind of like a peer pressure huh? <laughs> but, but the thing yeah. is that mm-hmm. before you started making the first move did you ask yeah. your mom and your or your dad can I throw this away? Can I? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You so did. I, yeah, I was like, uh, I don't think like we're using this anymore. So uh-huh. can we just, I don't know, can we just throw this away so that it's just like we will have more space? space. Yeah. Oh, and it's a good thing their parents didn't oppose what yeah. you were doing because some other parents might get all hysterical. And it's like, how could you even think about throwing that away or something? Yeah. So but, actually, you have to be very careful what thing you choose to throw away, right? Yeah. Because some could be a family heirloom, or it could be something really precious to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That you don't know about. Maybe there's a you know a background story to it. So you have to be very careful, though. Yeah. All right. So were there any things that they said? No, sorry, you can't throw that away. Mm, so um, my dad, he really likes to keep all these like karaoke stuff. <laughs> karaoke stuff. Yeah, karaoke stuff. He's like, yeah, but it's not really useful. So, yeah. So I would just like tell him that, yeah, we're not using this anymore. So can we just throw this away? <laughs> and yeah, and, and he's, <sighs> he, it's yeah. He heaved a big sigh. Yeah, and then and then he said, okay. Reluctantly. Yeah. (laughs) You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. They used to sing a lot, right? They love singing, but then they weren't doing that anymore. But, but, um, yeah, and it's like, those those are quite damaged already. Oh, they're so already they're, yeah they're already broken yeah they're broken and he just thought that like I will I will fix it oh yeah, he, I then will he fix it one bring day bring it to the yeah. repair shop <laughs> and I say you're not using it why are you keeping this <laughs> oh this is very funny this yeah. is a good example wow yeah. I see I see yeah you know how am I going to help my husband because he's the one who likes to keep things you know yeah like for example I guess I can't do anything with the uh, these vinyl records. Mm. Hey Jiao, hey Jiao. Vinyl uh, records. Uh, he has uh, like two oh. cases of them. Wow. Well, I'm sure I shouldn't touch them, right? Yeah. yeah they're precious to him. Uh, People are saying that you can try to, you know, sell them online, but yeah, he's not doing it. He won't do it himself. 
He's okay. going to have to somebody else help him do it. But I don't think he wants to do it either because he, he just to he want to keep them. keep yeah. it like a memory. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay. So that's two cases, all right? Yeah. Two boxes of it. Yeah. Anyway, can't do anything about that. Okay. Well, let's turn to your becoming vegetarian. Okay. I mean, what? Yeah. What made you decide to, to do that? It's also like from one of these, also from the beach cleanup. Oh. Yeah, so it just made me think. People doing this beach cleanup has the, like with different kind of thought. Like mm-hmm. maybe some people they just wanted to clean for the earth. Some people they wanted to I don't know like just different kind of thoughts. So for me, I just thought like maybe like cleaning all these garbage would also help like save these like fish or whatever. Because if they eat these stuff. And eventually, they will die because of it and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, this is also one of the reasons that, like, I was like, okay, maybe if I don't want to kill them by that, then I shouldn't kill them by eating them. I see. Yeah. Wow. People do have different thoughts about why they become vegetarian now, you made me realize, or become a minimalist. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, yeah. So, you don't want to eat anything that kills... An animal or fish or... Now you make me feel bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't... <laughs> it's like kidding. everyone has like different... Yeah, yeah, just different kind of thoughts. So it's oh. it's just, just my thought. And also, like, there are a lot of documentaries talking about, like, how veganism or, like, vegetarian helps mm. you with your... With your, um, I don't know, body or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. going vegetarian is better than, yeah, being a meat eater yeah. is better for your health. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. I do agree mm. with that. Um, I mean, I, I would choose vegetable over meat if I have a choice. But if I have a meat dish and I don't see any vegetables, I don't feel good. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I did at least have to be something green. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I was thinking that if I were to be a part of a beach cleanup project, I would only be thinking about, because I've seen all these documentaries where, you know, the most famous one is probably uh, the sea turtle with a straw stuck yeah. in its nose, right? Yeah. And I think that's terrible. And I'll be thinking like, yeah, I want to clean up the beach so that none of these animals get, you know, get hurt or get killed. But then you're right. By eating them, I'm killing them too. Yeah. <gasps> oh. It's it's like a different different way of thinking. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it started from that, from yeah. beach cleanup. So it made you decide to... Okay, to become vegetarian. Okay. Well, I think that's all great. You know, yeah. now you've got, besides being a project manager at American Megatrend, you're also a minimalist. You've got three other titles. Yeah. Minimalist <laughs> slash vegetarian slash, what was the other one? Environmentalist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it seems like, you know, you're coming back to town for a year now and you started working on this company just three months, you yeah, say. Yeah, just three months. But actually, mostly of what's on your mind is all these this three other titles. Yeah. Or rather two, or maybe one, uh, the uh, environmentalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really want to do something for the environment. Yeah. This is something that's really, really more on your mind than your current job. Yeah. I know it's still in a thinking process. Mm. But um, I wish you much luck in what you're doing because what you're doing is definitely good. Yeah. It's, it's 100% good. There's nothing bad about it. So I think you should go for it. Yeah. I know it's going to be tough for you, mm. um, you know, starting on your own. But if you were to be able to get a team together, people with the same mindset, I think something can be done and can make a difference. Yeah. I think for us human, we have to start believing that we can make a difference. 
because、mm. people say, "Oh, this world is so huge." I mean, I'm just only one person, but actually, we have to start believing that we can make a change. Yeah, on the world. Yes. So let's work on this together. Let's put our effort into it and、yeah. believing. In、yeah. what you know, what you believe in, really just believing and not give up.、Mm-hmm. Good luck with that part. Thank you. I think it's、mm-hmm. great. You you definitely go in the right direction. I hope that you will be able to find like-minded people and really start something. And and then who knows? Next time I'll、yeah. get you to come in here and talk about this big project that really is changing the world. Okay. 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 We can start with yeah, changing yeah, yeah. Taiwan. Yeah. Then it will be eventually changing the world. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you.、Right. Thank you so much, Eileen. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you for sharing your life and you、yeah. know the changes in your life. Hopefully, it will be an inspiration to me and also to the people that are listening in on the program.、Okay. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kilohertz. In South Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti@rti.org.tw. At 